See? You feel like you have the power? I do. Yeah. <laughs> you, have all, you do have all... Look at that. We can share the buttons. We can share the buttons today. Hey, Not welcome. Enough. That's right. Welcome to the Crossroads Connect podcast, episode 29. There's a racking them up. Mm-hmm. Here with Matt Manning, here with our... Crossroad, one of our Crossroads residents, Reagan is back yeah. in the studio. Good Welcome to have back, you, Reagan. Reagan. Thanks, guys. Super exciting. We are going to be talking today. Uh, we're going to jump into what does beauty look like through cultures and, and for our culture in particular, um, you know, and, and that's just a, a big thing. What does the Bible have to say about it? And so we're going to dive into all of that. But uh, Matt and I were having a really fun conversation the other day uh, about food, um, and he introduced me to this recipe for bourbon fried apples. They're amazing. I, I have yet to have them. So Matt, I just, for everybody's, because I think people need to know, Yes, we need to get this out. Where, where does it derive from and what makes bourbon, what, bourbon fried apples? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Drunken apples is, Drunken is apples. kind of the street name. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah. So probably most don't know, but I actually put myself through college working in the restaurant business. Okay. So I was a broil guy. So steaks, chicken, fish, if you need it cooked, I can do it. So, and I grew up, you know, my dad's from the South, barbecue is pretty big deal, all that kind of stuff. So, so it's bourbon, right? Yeah. The bourbon country of Kentucky. <laughs> and so bourbon fried apples or drunken apples, or if you've ever been to Did you go days, to school with Matthew McConaughey? I didn't, but that oh, would have been exciting. No. <laughs> I think he's a few years older than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. So bourbon apples are famous Dave's. They have some. But they're mm-hmm. basically like just take something healthy like apples and cover them in brown sugar and sweetness and cinnamon and then just keep cooking them down until they're super soft and taste like candy. Love it. Mm. And, and bourbon. And yeah, a little bit of bourbon. Yeah. Is it just a little or is it a lot? Can you nope, is just it just a little bit? Can you a tablespoon of bourbon? Is it like marinade? Like marinating a steak, you just soak the apples in it for a while, or do you? No. Is it a cooking process? No, so you you yeah you make up like the sauce mm-hmm. in the bottom, and then you add the apples, and then you mix them in, and then you just let it cook down. Gotcha. Yeah, caramelize. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they turn more soft. Okay. And so it's yeah. it's delicious. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for you to. Yeah, I'm excited to try. Recipe. You you sent me a picture, and I thought. It, it has to happen, and it needs to happen soon. Yeah, because that night we had um, some smoked pulled pork, uh-huh. mm. and yeah, drunken apples, and then I don't remember what else was on the plate, but it was pretty exciting. It was a pretty beans? exciting. Didn't meal. you have beans? Oh yes, yeah, mm-hmm. baked beans. We made mm-hmm. baked beans. Yeah, it's good. Um, and barbecue chips, because can you really eat barbecue without barbecue chips? No, not in my house. Not successfully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any like? Really good food that is not a normal food that you enjoy, Reagan? Um, I always have been critiqued for putting like ketchup on my mac and cheese. Ugh. People like I would critique so... you, but I don't really put ketchup on much of anything. Do you, oh, really? you, you don't really eat anything. Do you, um, <laughs> Reagan, do you like smother your mac and cheese in ketchup? No. Or is it just like a. Do you put it on your eggs it's too? It's just like, yes, I do put it on my eggs too. It's just like light. It's like the tanginess of it. I like it with Interesting. Mac and cheese. So, so when I'm making mac and cheese, sometimes I put barbecue sauce in the mac and I cheese with jalapenos. That. And like, I would like that. Pull, pulled pork uh-huh. in there too. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Both of those sound better than hot dogs. In mac and cheese. Oh, can't do that. I mean, yeah. it's like a texture that's, thing. That's for what me. we make our it's kids. A lot of <laughs> <laughs> Your kids eat this. Yeah. We would never we're, do it. We're gonna go order uh, 
Famous Dave's, and you guys get mac and cheese and hot dogs. That's because they don't appreciate <laughs> Famous Dave's, right? That's, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Totally. And we can't afford it for everybody. There so. you go. Hot uh, dogs and mac and cheese. Oh, man. Uh, so we, we've been doing something really cool uh, at Crossroads that, that Trevor actually has initiated, and that's the, the Crossroads, Crossroads, Crossroads Hot Sauce, yes. which has been a hot commodity. Um, have you guys enjoyed the the hot sauce that has come from from Trevor and and he he actually gets it made professionally from a local guy, right? Yeah, from Danny Cash. Yeah, Danny Cash. Danny Cash. Yeah, man, I I've heard nothing but good things about this hot sauce. No, it's really good. And so yeah, Danny basically took his hot sauce and threw on our label. Yeah. So it's it's Danny Cash hot sauce that yeah. goes for like six seven bucks a bottle. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, yeah, it's really good. I went with the garlic. Mm-hmm. One, so I'm on bottle number two. Nice. I bought fifty of them, so I've given most of them away. I'm still nice. learning. I mean, fifty dollars worth, not fifty <laughs> bottles. <laughs> oh, broke. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twelve bottles. I'm yeah. sorry, I made myself look really great there. Matt's like, give 12. me more, yeah, give me more bottles. I'm right. making it rain. Right. Give me a thousand. Just keep them coming. Uh, no, I we we've had. I mean, I'm learning how to eat hot sauce because okay. I've never used it before. I've always used just like barbecue sauce. And so remembering that it's something that can be used for flavor um, is something I'm, I'm training myself to. Um, but we've given it to our neighbors and our neighbors are loving it as well. Yeah, so. that's where I do eggs. Put the hot sauce on the eggs. Mm-hmm. I could Stay try that. Touch up. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. I and mean, we put it on like like burritos and, and tacos. Now, and which stuff. one do you eat? Because like you look at a tomato and you start sweating. That's not true. <laughs> It's not true. <laughs> ketchup is hot sauce for you. I don't like ketchup because I don't like the flavor. That's the thing is I don't want it so hot that I can't taste it. I want to be able to taste it. And I, I really, actually the flavor I love is a spicy sweet. Yeah, like that too. combo, I, I will eat that all day long. And it doesn't matter how hot it gets. As long as it has the sweet to balance it out, mm-hmm. it's money. That's good stuff. I hear that Trevor's... Um, Working up some barbecue sauces for the summer. Yeah, I, so I heard before. Father's Day. Yes, that's that's, yeah. that's the rumor yeah. on the street. I can't and verify it because I haven't actually seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't let the senior pastor in on this stuff, probably because I spill secrets. But yeah. I hear... As we are. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that barbecue's... I, I'm really hoping so, because I would gobble that stuff up for sure. Yes. So that's food. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about... Uh, beauty and what it means to be beautiful or attractive or, or any of that stuff. And I was thinking about just through history um, and even like way back when with the Egyptians and how they started, uh, I mean, they're the first ones to really do makeup, yeah. right? And, and putting makeup. Uh, but then, uh, I mean, even through like biblical times, you see different, I was thinking, we've been watching The Chosen and I'm thinking a man in, in that era, what what are they looking for and what, what would be attractive to them, you know, in, in a, in a spouse. Um, and then obviously in medieval times, it, you man, I would be super beautiful in medieval times because I'm very white and pasty. Um, and I think that it was white and fat, right? Uh, so maybe maybe I wouldn't be. Throughout history. Um, yeah, white and fuller figured. Uh-huh. is more beautiful, mm-hmm. not until recently is thin and tan more, because thin and tan was poverty and work mm-hmm. is what, right. that, what that spoke to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of like African cultures and the different things that they do for beauty. Um, I know that there's the one culture, I don't know if they still do this or not, but they put the rings on their necks to make mm-hmm. their necks really, really long, um, or they put um, 
like gauges in it. We would call them gauges. Um, and we do that some too. Um, but like they make their earlobes like super huge. Um, we're, I mean, obviously we look at it and we go, what in the world? Why would somebody do that? Um, but that's totally, I'm just, I'm interested where these things come from. In China, they would bind their feet mm-hmm. so that they would have these tiny, like messed up feet. I, I don't, could they walk? I have no idea. I, I guess. I mean, you no, know Reagan? I know that it paralyzed some women, but yeah, like really um, deformed small yeah. feet. Yeah. Yep. And corsets. Mm-hmm. That's another one that just popped up. And I was thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. you know, wearing the corset so tight that you can't breathe yeah. because it gives you the, the proper figure. Yep. So, man, it's just, <laughs> it's amazing to me all the things that we do as humans in order to make ourselves attractive and that that's not consistent. And so, um, what about, let's just look at America, right? For the last 50 years and, and different fashion trends and things that have gone on, um, in order for, for people to find themselves beautiful. So we'll just go through it. Okay. Okay. So fifties, let's name some fashion trends of the fifties. A-line skirt, um, really tight, small waist, um, this was greasers, right? Yes. For guys. Yeah, so they had the skinny jeans. Is this where is this where they would roll up the yes. cigarette pack in their Yep. Yes, okay. I'm totally out of my yeah. element in the fashion space. In the fa- this is Greece. Can yes. you relate to yeah, Greece? I can relate to yeah. Greece. Uh, you know, back to the future. Yes. Right there. Back to the future number 1. Was that Oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah, the 50s then. They went, went back. to the 50s. Yeah. I think that's a fun era actually. Um I think I, I would fit in really well there. Mm-hmm. In the 50s? In the 50s. Mm-hmm. I think I could make a, a pretty hip gre- greaser. Yeah, the simplicity of life is appealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mowing the lawn. That's right. With a lawnmower, not a electric or not a, I guess we have electric ones now, not a gas one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember being a kid, being able to go and play until it got dark? Those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah. And now it's like we're afraid to let our kids out in the front yard without having an adult out there. Anyway, that's a, that's a topic for a different time. Okay. So now we roll into the sixties and I'm trying to fifties. I always blend fifties and sixties probably more than I should, but are there any defining characteristics of the sixties that you can think of? I'm just thinking of the sexual revolution of the sixties where I don't know that, uh, fashion changed drastically, but leaning more towards the seventies, that is pretty marked by fashion. Mm-hmm. And so I just think of that evolving out where you have kind of the legalism and conservatism, uh, conservatism of the fifties and then heading to the seventies where it's going to become a lot looser yeah, um, and a lot less locked down. Women are going to look differently. Um, it's going to change the role of women mm-hmm. and men yeah. in relation to each other. Do you remember the sixties? No, I was not yet born. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that you were, but I just thought I'd give you a hard time. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. I know definitely the seventies. I start thinking of my parents, um, and I think of like the old pictures of of my parents and what they were wearing. And uh, my dad would wear. I, there's a picture of him, and he has like this huge tie. Yeah. That I would. Sorry, Dad, but I, it it reminds me of like a clown tie. Mm-hmm. But that was the fashion of the time, and yeah. I can only imagine what my kids are going to think of me when they're my age. Yeah, but, well, the mm. bell bottoms, the tie-dyes, yeah. all that stuff of the 70s that's yeah. kind of coming back in. My daughter, who's eight, um, is looking for bell-bottom pants mm-hmm. to wear. Like, yes. yeah, 70s are back. 70s are back. 80s are also back. 
sadly. Um, yes. Oh man, the mullet. The mullet, mom jeans mm-hmm. for both men and women. Yeah. Yep. Man, I, Ezra, my oldest, is like, I want a mullet, and I'm like, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> the right thing that you want is a haircut. Right. Mm-hmm. Let, let's get let's change that up a little bit. Yes, but the rock bands of the '80s that seemed pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And they had their own style yeah, as with well. The leather and yep, and that. huge hair. Yes. Uh, and and again, coming back to what we're talking about, these are all ways to express beauty, right? And in that era, like we look at them, we're like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But at that time, it was like, man, did you see that girl's beehive? I don't oh, know. I yes. mean, that was going back further than the eighties, but <laughs> yeah, uh, threw me for a loop there. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. But like, that was something that they're like, man, that that's hot, man. Yeah. I love that beehive. It's looking good. Good job. Dottie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we jump into the nineties. Now we're getting into our youth, right? Yeah. Um, Jinkos. Do you remember Jinkos? I remember, yes, I remember crisscross was a big deal. Yes. Right? Wearing clothes backwards yep. and... Makes me jump, uh, jump. Jump, jump. Yep. I remember parachute pants from MC mm-hmm. Hammer. Yes. I wore those all through, like, even elementary school, I was wearing those, like the multicolored crazy yeah. pants. Yeah. Uh-oh. We had the uh, tight roll jeans. We got a light down. It's all right. Must have died. Yes. Sorry, did, it, did you guys have ever do frosted tips? Yeah, well, I was. I, was, I imagine you frosted your tips. I, I did. No, I was never. I bleached my whole head. I went bleach in college. Yeah, to early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I had big long hair. Uh huh. Just mushroomed out like. Yeah. And I, it was all blonde with my red beard. Oh man. Nice. <laughs> I want to see that picture. Yeah. I stood out. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. That's, it needed to be like see a, if there's, it's around there a social media. I think my mom might have hit. burned them all. She wasn't very oh, no. excited about that. Oh, bummer. She's like, these just need yeah. to be erased. Yes. I, did, <laughs> I did some color as well in middle school, yeah. um, like blue and green. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was the one place that my parents were like, express yourself. Yes. Do whatever you want with your hair. <laughs> That's kind of just, the way I am with my kids. Yeah. Just show, just make as sure to be respectful. Yeah. Nice and brushed. Yeah. So I, I never had Jinkos, but I definitely had the jeans that went over my shoes. Mm-hmm. Like that meant I was mm-hmm. awesome and cool. Um, I wore a chain mm-hmm. and I had, remember like the, the little ball necklaces. Yeah. I had some of that yeah. going on. Yeah. The grunge style of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yes. The grunge. Yeah. Emo. And the emos. Emo, I guess that was more two thousands, right? It was kind of ended nineties into two thousands yeah. where we really went hard into the emo stuff. Oh when the, man! When the two thousands came around, I think beauty shifted pretty quick, particularly for women, because like anorexic thin became everything, right? Like yeah. you had uh, jeans companies like changing the sizes, mm-hmm. so like what used to be a sixteen is now a six or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was all about like the super super thin appearance mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. women. Yeah, yeah, and you can kind of see that pro- uh, progression from the seventies where. Um, you have, you know, I'm sorry, the fifties bathing suits being like prohibited. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bathing suits are now allowed and they look like one pieces with shorts. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you also see like women's shapewear, like the, the, the development of bras. Sorry if that's inappropriate, but, um, like what's a the, bra, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's called Christiana. Oh, okay. Um, you like this, um, evolution of women's shapewear and then, mm-hmm. um, how that 
grew to emphasize their figure. If you look at the figure of someone from the fifties or Marilyn Monroe, mm -hmm. and then you look at a Victoria's secret model, um, like it, it constantly evolves to be more, uh, revealing and for feminism to be for like a f feminist look to be really extreme, mm -hmm. not just that you look like a woman, but that you look like, I don't know, a, a mega woman, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the, the TV show friends yeah, and how you can kind of like their style at the early seasons compared to what it is at the end. And that you can, you can even see the evolution of fashion through, you know, uh, through just watching that show. Yeah. Um, and, the, and it's not the only one you can see it through, through lots of them. But I remember like seeing what they were wearing and going, that's cool. That's what I need. I want to wear that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then I think when the millennials came in, you know, came of age and the, you know, 2010s, mm -hmm. like you saw some pretty significant fashion change again with the, you know, the tight jeans, skinny jeans mm -hmm. yeah. in that space. And the ripped jeans. The ripped jeans. Drove, drove all of our parents mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. And, and the formal has almost completely dissipated out of culture. Yep. Right. Suit and ties, even at funerals these days, like yeah. oftentimes if I do a funeral, um, I'm in the minority of men wearing a suit and tie. Yeah, Most totally. people are dressed down in jeans and a nice sweater. Right. And that's changed. Colorado right. is also particularly casual. You know, mm -hmm. we live in a very casual mm -hmm. state. I've had friends tell me like, I can't believe this. Like I would never wear that. Like the grunge look mm -hmm. is so embraced here, but it's fascinating just how, um, cultural, yeah, our attractiveness is defined and how that's different between mm -hmm. cultures. And so I think it's not, um, it's not universal, but it's culturally defined. And as culture changes, mm -hmm. so will that It's change. cultural and generational, mm -hmm. right? Because what you just said, right? When I first started doing ministry and uh, some of the, the seniors in our church were frustrated because the younger kids didn't dress up for church. Mm -hmm. But in our minds, we were dressing up for church. It just looked different. Mm -hmm. Like my idea of dress up looked different than their idea of dress up. It's probably mm -hmm. when fashion started changing where jeans cost as much or more than suits. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so the, the question really starts to boil down to is uh, what really makes a person attractive mm -hmm. and how do we uh, balance what culture is telling us mm -hmm. with what we know is true from, mm -hmm. from a, from what the Bible tells us to be true about what makes a person attractive and good. Um, and, and how do we battle that? I mean, because it's all around us, right? We're, we're constantly bombarded with it and it's not like it's going to go away. So we have to be able to, to handle that and walk through that in a way that's good and, and healthy and gets us to a place that we're not always staring at ourselves in the mirror saying, man, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not valuable because I don't look like a, B, or C, you know? Um, and so we really wanted to bring uh, Reagan in today because uh, we wanted a, a female perspective on this because um, certainly uh, men and women are different. I didn't know if you guys are aware of that. <laughs> yeah, word on the street is. Yeah. Um, and so uh, our, our, our perspective is different. And so um, wanted to talk through, you know, what is true versus what we feel because what we feel is not always true. And, uh, and, and that's just a reality that we have to, to work through. And so not what culture would tell us today, but it, it is still true nonetheless. And so, uh, 
Reagan, I just wanted to, to pass it over to, to you. When, when, I, when I say this and I bring this up, um, how do you address it personally? What, is that, what does that look like for you as you have been you know, growing up um, and, and, and maturing? And uh, how does that affect your relationships now? It's kind of a three-part three-parter there. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I, um, I feel like I was born (laughs) self-conscious of of myself. I was, um, seven the first time that I, um, told my mom that I thought my thighs were fat. And the first time that I noticed other girls' stomachs were flat and mine wasn't, Mm. I was seven. Mm -hmm. Um, and thinking back to that, I just feel grief. So I have been particularly plagued by cultural pressures for what a woman should look like. Um, I had an eating disorder from um, probably uh, seventh grade through my sophomore year of college. And those um, demons don't go away Mm -hmm. overnight. It's been, this has been a huge battle for me. Um, And I have a lot of friends that sympathize with it as well. Um, So culturally we are flooded with images. We know that. And, um, but also looking at other girls around me and comparing Mm -hmm. and seeing, Oh, that's attractive. Um, And then having, I guess, just a general personal weakness for it in general, not everyone, this is a sore spot for, and not all women, Mm -hmm. this is a sore spot for, but particularly me. So seems like it's a lot though, isn't it? Oh yeah. I I mean, I would say the vast majority. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to sympathize for women that are like, Oh, you know, it's never been something that I noticed. God bless that. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, struggled with an eating disorder and, um, I remember my sophomore year of college, this is where my, my thought really shifted my sophomore year of college. I really dove into the sermon on the Mount and I really dove into chapter six and, um, reading, uh, Jesus saying, you know, if God so cares for the birds in the air and if he, um, clothes the earth like he does, won't he be faithful to do that to you too? Like, you don't have to worry about what you look like, about what you're wearing. And when I just contextualized that and applied it to myself, uh, this is, this is what changed it for me. Is that life possible? And if it is, that's what I want. And what that required of me was surrendering my own idolatry, my idolatry of myself, my idolatry of what I thought I should look like and accepting the freedom that Jesus offered me through that truth of if, if the God of the universe, the one who created me said, I don't have to worry about this. What does that life look like? And I can probably trust what he says. So let's go for it. Mm -hmm. You know? And so Mm -hmm. I had that, I had a shift in mindset completely. And for women listening today, the world, what I would want to tell them is that the world is waging war on what you worship. And that includes ourselves. And if you have a negative body image, if you have a negative view of yourself, that's still idolatry. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me to face. But when I realized it, like repentance just came flooding out of me because I didn't think I was doing anything wrong, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. for the Lord to confront that and say, like, if you to be kingdom oriented, to be truly invested in me and my truth means you let go of the negative stuff too. And, um, that set me free. So from that, sounds pretty easy. (laughs) So easy. Um, (laughs) that doesn't mean that I don't wake up with days where that, um, dark cloud covers over me. Mm -hmm. That is a lifelong battle. Um, but the Holy spirit has been so faithful to fight things that I couldn't fight. And so, um, 
I remember like my freshman year of college, I ate nothing and I was at the gym twice a day. And, um, I remember (laughs) over fall break, I went on a weekend trip with a friend and like, you know, we just ate good food and I was so sick Mm. and I thought, I felt like I was going to die. And I was like, why am I sick? And then I realized, oh, I'm starving myself. And, uh, working out mm. a crazy amount. It was just un, it was just not sustainable. So I had like a physical reason to do it, but also the mental reason to do it. Um, maybe men uh, sympathize with this as well, but just it being debilitating, mm-hmm. hating yourself mm-hmm. um, and exhausting. So there's that like mental side to it as well. Um, so my sophomore year of college, when I really took in that truth, I really meditated on it. Um, I started eating, eating regularly. Movement looked more healthy for me. And um, over time, <laughs> over time, I stopped caring about I, that self-consciousness mm-hmm. really started to fade. It's mm-hmm. still there, but the potency of it is significantly mm-hmm. less than it has Can ever been. Can you, so where is the balance between idolatry and like taking care of yourself and being healthy? Um, cause I think that we can, I mean, you like you work out, you know, and I've started working out again and it's yeah. not, it's not, I mean, part of it is because in my mind, I want to, I want to look good to a degree, but it's also just because it, I want my body to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, maybe you could speak into that just a little bit of, uh, kind of how have you, so, cause you can easily go to the other extreme and be like, oh, it doesn't matter. I can yep. eat whatever I want, do whatever I want. I can just eat sugar all the time and it's not going to be a big deal when really that's not taking care of our bodies either. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, have you, have you walked through any of that personally? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for people listening today, what I would want to preface what I'm about to say with is that an eating disorder is a different animal. And so, um, if, so it's when you get, when you're coming out of an eating disorder, it's not so much about, oh, do self-care at the same time, but it's mm-hmm. about foods losing, um, the fear component or the power over them. So yeah. you might eat more ice cream than you ever have before. And that's not unhealthy, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not a lack of self-care. Yeah. But, um, when we go to balance those two things, we have a huge cultural pressures for this is what health looks like. It looks like this size. It looks like this weight. Um, it looks like this in a bikini. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really, or speedo. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> shorts. Uh-huh. Um, and so, we really need to balance those two things where, um, okay, so God created our bodies to be dependent on food. Mm-hmm. You have to eat. And one of the reasons we're dependent on food is for nutrients. Mm-hmm. Are you getting in nutrients? I wasn't. And I've been in periods of starving myself uh, in lack of nutrients from not eating and starving myself from lack of nutrients in overeating. Mm-hmm. You know, that can happen on both sides of the spectrum. And then your body was made to move are you moving? That does not mean you spend two hours in the gym, mm-hmm. you know, but it, you know, it helps you mentally. It helps you physically. Are you getting some movement? So you really need to identify what are those core things that make up health mm-hmm. and separating those from the rest of, of the cultural pressures or whatnot. So, and mm-hmm. that, that takes practice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and know the difference between those two, but trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably you can change goals too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like my goal is man, I want to, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's an achievement of, I want to lift this much, or I want to run this much, or I want to be able to go on a four mile hike and not die. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, I want to get into a size two jeans, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I think th- those are different goals that can be 
can push you. Um, I've always said, like, if Satan had our culture in two hands, like with the women, it's self-image, yeah. and with men, it's it's pornography, and that they're always feeding into each other, mm-hmm. right, uh, in unhealthy ways. And um, so uh, I also think that it's interesting in the world that in 2021, this fight for equality uh, when it mm-hmm. comes to everything, right, from, from race to gender to, to everything, um, and yet it's still so prominent in our culture and accepted that that's the way that it's a, like women are supposed to look like this way or, or, or men are supposed to look that way. But then at the same time, uh, don't do that. You know, it's like this thing that's always, it, it's confusing to me um, what our culture does. And I mean, it's not confusing from a biblical stance. It's confusing that people can think both things at the same time. Um, but Matt, where, where, I mean, like I said, you, I know that you work out uh, and do orange theory and, and yep. things and, and you try to take care of yourself. Um, and so I'm just curious uh, from your perspective, um, w- whether in response to what Rego was saying, or if you had any of your own thoughts from maybe a, a man's perspective. Yeah. I think that when it comes to beauty, culture is shifting quickly in terms of men and what is beautiful. Like I think for a long time, at least in my lifetime, uh, what men looked like was not a huge deal, yeah. right? Like dad bods and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff was just what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but there seems to be, uh, within the last few years, the shifting, particularly in terms of like the male model and yep. what is it, mm-hmm. what is the male model? I want to apologize on behalf of all the male models. <laughs> That's right. You look so good today. <laughs> um, in those spaces and what is, what is the picture of beauty? Uh, and sometimes like Reagan said, I think the picture of beauty also gets confused with the picture of health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, that journey of, of health and working out and all that really didn't come from so much like a beauty perspective, uh, to a degree of just being unhappy with where I was. Like I walked by a mirror one day and I was like, Oh my goodness, what happened to me? Uh And dad, uh, (laughs) is that you dad? (laughs) And, uh, and so that kind of went down the journey of, uh, what would it look like and setting the goals? So my wife and I run a lot of races. Mm-hmm. And so my goal has always been to run a sub, uh, 50 minute 10 K in that space. Um, have you done it? Um, uh, my goal is for the Boulder Boulder for it to be, I'm on pace Nice to do it. When so, is that? End of this month in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. yeah. So it'll be uh, exciting. We'll see if I can pull it off mm-hmm. at 40 years old. Yeah. I uh, had to hit that goal. You can do it, Matt. I can do it. I can do it. And so when it came to working out, like I grew up sports, playing hockey, all of that. And so when it came to health uh, and like working out was not so much for beauty, but for performance and health. And I think that's still where it, it stands for me mm-hmm. uh, in that space. But Man, in Colorado, particularly when it comes to the gyms, they are the church. They are the modern day church, mm-hmm. the way that they function, the way that people act with them, the place of worship in that space. You're and required to tithe. You're required to tithe. That's right. <laughs> and so, yeah, when it comes, when it comes to that. And so I think that that's where, for me, where beauty and health kind of intersect. And one of the things that I teach in marriage counseling all of the time is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And particularly for married couples, uh, my standard of beauty always has to be my wife. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is standard of beauty. So for me, uh, Sarah is 10, right? And all beauty is judged towards, towards what, she, 
what she is. It doesn't I disagree. Mean I think Christiana is 10. That, there you go. And <laughs> as, as you should, as you should. And so I think that when it comes to, um, particularly as a guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regardless of what culture is speaking or saying that our standard of beauty is the women, the woman that God put in our, in our life. And that that becomes the standard of beauty mm-hmm. uh, for us. And if we operated that way, realistically, I think it saves us a lot from some of the pitfalls of culture, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to pornography. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> Have you seen shallow how <laughs> it's been a long time? Yes. Yes. I, I know what you're thinking. About. Yeah, yes. I don't, you were just talking about that. And I, I was just thinking about character and I was like, Oh, there's a movie where the outside beauty reflected their inner character. Yeah. I don't know. It was shallow. How okay. that's what it was. Yeah. With Jack black. I got you. Um, so anyway, sorry about that yeah. rabbit trail, but yeah, so I'm just, uh, I've always thought too, when it comes to my own self, now that I am married, like I want to, to be attractive to my spouse. And so, uh, even like from the style of clothes that I wear, like I, I have, a, I do have a say in it. I always joke that I don't, but I do. Yeah. Um, but I want to wear stuff that she thinks looks good, you know, because I want her, um, to like what I look, what I look like. And I, and if someone else would tell me, Oh, why do you, why would you wear that? That looks stupid. I'd say, Hey man, my wife likes it. And as long as she likes me, I'm happy. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's kind of how I, I measure some of that stuff. But, uh, I, I really started working out again and, and things because, uh, I think it, it goes that we were made to move. Right. And that like psychologically, I feel so much more healthy, um, and, and energized and, and it just does something in the body when, uh, when you're using it. Um, and, uh, and it's not like way back when, when people were walking everywhere. Right. Um, we have a friend that's a nutritionist that would say, um, it's not about how fast you go somewhere. It's about how far you go. Like if you run a mile or if you walk a mile, you actually burn the same amount of calories. I mean, obviously if you're running, you're, you're doing stuff with your muscles and things a little bit differently, but as far as burning calories, it's the same. And so, um, you know, this just reality that, by moving around and doing things uh, with your body, it it actually increases your uh, your physical health as well as your mental health, yeah. and at least that's what it's done for me. Yeah, and um, thinking about like the culture of gyms and fitness, how they've taken that message and made it so extreme. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing a super hard hit workout. You're not taking care of yourself. You know, if you're not punishing yourself in the gym, mm-hmm. you're not taking care of yourself. That's a lie. It's not true. Like mm-hmm. including movement, that is just, that's mm-hmm. step one and that's your baseline. And um, that's been something for me too, just to separate those two messages or like, you know, if I don't look like this, then I'm not healthy. Or if mm-hmm. I don't do that workout, then I'm not pursuing fitness. Mm-hmm. Not I, true. I avoided um, working out for a long time because I'm a small guy. And so like everyone else starts at like so much heavier weight than mm-hmm. I'm able to start at. And I felt like I was embarrassed by it. Like, mm-hmm. and because, we were embarrassed for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I was helping build me up, Matt. Appreciate that. But you know, I, I just, uh, I'm never going to have like an Arnold Schwarzenegger's or physique. Yeah. Like my body is not ever going to build that way. Yeah. And it's not like, Oh, if I just work hard enough, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, building, uh, building any kind of weight on my body where, where some people, you know, uh, this is actually a trigger for me is that, um, culturally it's not okay to call somebody fat, but culturally it's okay to make fun of them for being small. Yes, and man, I've, men. I've wrestled with that my entire life and it just really ticks me off. I'm like, mm-hmm. 
I'm trying really hard to put on weight and I can't, yep. you know, I'm doing my best to, to eat. And, and Christiana and I have had conversations too, where like, if I get full, like, I feel like I can't eat anymore. I get sick, yeah. you know, and a lot of people are, will I'll have that conversation with them. Like, man, I've never experienced that. You know, yeah. I'll just keep eating and eating and eating. Yeah. Um, and so I almost have to push through that. Uh, it's helped again, that's helped as I've started to work out that my body goes, Oh, okay. I need more nutrition. Um, and so I've been able to start eating a little bit more and things along those lines. But, um, that's just one of those things. that's kind of like a pet peeve of mine. Like, man, it's just as messed up to tell someone, man, you're, you're small or you're, you're whatever, you know, it's like, uh, it just, I don't think that that's a cool place. I think it's, I think that that's part of what's changing, particularly for males and has been a part of the female culture for a long time is that now we're being judged against images, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where, you know, you're skinny or you're fat. That's where those, uh, all of a sudden the self-consciousness starts to reign in us mm-hmm. is because at some level you're buying into the culture's understanding of what beauty is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, or what we, it means to look or be a man. Yeah. So the like, reason that it hurts you, right. Is not because, you're skinny, Mm -hmm. right? The reason it hurts you is because that's being used in such a way Mm -hmm. that saying that you don't actually match what beauty. You don't measure up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, go Um, ahead. I was just going to add, I just think that something the enemy is doing with this particular topic is pitting men and women against each other. Um, If you look at our cultural messages of men and our cultural messages of women, you know, like men being the befuddling idiot Mm -hmm. and women being, you know, the Mm -hmm. sassy. um, Like every Disney show that's out there. Yeah, and and then with our body image as well. um, And I think that biblical Christian marriage just offers such healing ointment to that message in terms of embracing one another. And, you know, like you look at your husband, you look at your wife and you're like, that is the cultural definition of a 10 for me, mm-hmm. like in God's cultural definition of a 10 for you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not married, but you guys are. And something that I can say is um, you contribute to um, changing the conversation through your marriages and through how you embrace your wife and through how your wife embraces you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, keep going <laughs> mm-hmm. in that. And um, by not succumbing to, I don't know, culture's demands on what you look, but embracing your partner, yeah. like that is kingdom work right yeah. there. So uh, we've gone around a lot of things. I wanted to come back to you. I think you mentioned it already. First Peter three, uh, three and four, it says your beauty should not come from an outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles, wearing gold and jewelry, fine clothes, but it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in God's sight, which I think is where Shallow Hal actually came from, was from First Peter three, three, four, four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like, let's make a movie out of this. Um, but well, what's amazing about that verse is that it shows this conversation that we're having in 2021 mm-hmm. was the same yeah. genesis of yeah. conversation that they were having in uh, 60 AD. Mm-hmm. Right, this understanding of beauty. And where does it come from? What is actual true beauty in that space and where the struggle at is at? And the struggle, right, in First Peter and actually through the New Testament is always focused on women, not men, mm-hmm. which I think just speaks to some of your struggle, Reagan, mm-hmm. that this is a this is a reality that's been a part of culture for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, what I want to say about that, too, is that 
um, something about being female is that like God designed us to be attractive to men. Like there, there's a power in our beauty. And so for women listening today, the fact that scripture speaks to that more than it does men's appearance goes back to how we were made in Genesis one in terms of, yeah, our beauty is captivating and our um, appearance is powerful. And it's for that reason that we have specific stewardship instructions in scripture. And I think that that, especially for young women, it's really hard for them to understand that um, because they don't recognize what it is early on. Like I've seen that happen over and over again, where I see a couple get married and all of a sudden it like clicks with the woman that they go, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that what I was doing or what I would like. You learn that in, in relationship with, with your spouse, or hopefully you learn that earlier on, but definitely as you're start being with, you know, your, your husband, he starts to clue you in a little bit about, Hey, here's some things that were going on in my mind when that is happening, you know? And so, um, I think for, for both young men and young women to, to start recognizing that early and realizing, um, man, I, I have a responsibility, uh, in that. And for me, I, for a long time thought that that was a bad thing and that it was something I should be ashamed of and that my femininity was something to be hidden. And so men be careful about the messages you're sending to women regarding Mm -hmm. that. And then women, um, we need to filter that through the understanding of God created us powerfully and good mm-hmm. and it's good and it's good for our spouses. It's not good for general men population when we market that in such a way. And when we see scripture addressing the appearance of women, it's essentially, um, using context like big gatherings or, or Christian gatherings to send a sexual message. And our culture is infatuated with sending a sexual, sexual message about yourself and about others a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So in, in first Corinthians and in uh, first Peter, um, what we're talking about is what is good for the whole, mm-hmm. what is beneficial for the whole. And then, um, it is not always appropriate to send a sexual a sexual message about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so using At wisdom. Church? Yeah, and using wisdom without condemnation. This is not a condemning message. This is a freeing message. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not about shaming. So um, knowing that we carry a certain amount of power, we carry a certain amount of responsibility, and then it is not always appropriate to sexually market yourself, which is, you know, it's one of the reasons why I haven't been to a lot of young adult groups because they feel like Christian clubbing to me mm-hmm. where women are dressing up and men are dressing up and slathering yeah. on cologne. And I just, mm-hmm. I felt so confused where I was like, this is not about worshiping it's a, God. It's a young adult gathering to find other Christian yes, singles. It's about mating, you mm-hmm. know, and I just thought it, it felt so gross to me. And so if you've been in context like that, be aware of how you're using Christian gatherings to sexually market yourself. Mm-hmm. That's idolatry. Sure. No, that's good. And, uh, that, that's a good word. I haven't ever thought of it as sexually marketing yourself, but that that's a good, that's absolutely what happens. And, and mm-hmm. I think that you're right on with, uh, what, what Peter's trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course he, he wraps it up with, man, it's not just about outward beauty, right? That outward beauty, it doesn't matter Man, I was just looking at Top Gun um, and it says where they are now, right? And looking at all the different actors and actresses and and, uh, some of them have aged well and some of them have not. Um, But the reality is, is that we're all going to age, right? And and, uh, 
cultural beauty is always quickly fading away and there's no way to continually live up to that standard. And we've seen people try to even medically transform themselves and they still look almost unhuman at times because of, of how far they've been willing to go with that. Um, and so rather than uh, focusing so much on, on outward beauty, really paying attention to our character and the beauty that is within. Um, Second Corinthians says, uh, you know, don't lose heart. Although the outward is wasting away, the inward is being renewed day by day. Right. And so remembering that kind of that, that body versus character, uh, idea. And, and really that's when I think of a lifeline for us, uh, as, uh, those who, uh, want to live life the right way, um, the only way I think that you put it, it it's freeing to realize, man, I, I really want to be focusing on my character and how can I build my character to be um, what what it needs to be as opposed to really driving with, man, I got to make sure that every hair is in the right place, mm-hmm. that I have the muscle figure so that I can go to the beach this summer, you know, and all of those things. So, yeah. Matt, I feel like you're ready. You got something. I can make some stuff up. Good. No, <laughs> I, I felt the wisdom coming out of you. You know, I was ready. <laughs> no, I, when I was thinking of First Peter chapter 3, I think that what, how you summed it up is exactly right. It's not that Peter's saying here that beauty is, outward beauty is bad, mm-hmm. right? In this space, like, uh, like Reagan said, that God has given specifically women uh, power in their beauty. There's mm-hmm. an attractiveness to women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that attractiveness and that beauty and that sexual marketing, as we we're talking about it, is to be expressed in marriage, right? Yeah. Between a man and a woman in that space. And so outward appearance is not bad. Mm-hmm. But when it gets to this, I think what Peter is really saying, uh, saying to us is that outward appearance is fleeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reality is we're all getting older. Mm-hmm. And the older that we <laughs> not get... Not me. No yeah, way, man. No way, yeah, right? And so you just, have to, you just have to look in the mirror, right? To see that, that, that beauty is fleeting. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to a place where culture no longer values your beauty, and that's getting younger and younger in our culture... Mm-hmm. What is it that your life is actually built upon? And if you spent your entire life, I think Peter's, what he's saying here is if you spent your entire life uh, basking in the natural beauty that you've been given, when that is gone, what is the substance of your life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what he's looking at wives in particular here is who this is being addressed to is saying, hey, as much as you pay attention to the outward, make sure you're paying attention to the inward Mm -hmm. because one day you're not going to have the outward and all that's going to be left for you is the inward. And... Um, the people that we know who are inward beautiful, uh, that beauty lasts forever. Yeah. Yep. And those are the people that we admire. Those are the people that we look up to. Those are the grandmas and the grandpas that we go, man, I hope I'm like them mm-hmm. when I'm older. And it's Absolutely. not because it's like, oh man, she's just glowing because she's so beautiful right. on or the outside. Her Botox or she has no wrinkles. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You're right. going to get them. Yeah. We make fun of those <laughs> people. Yeah. Could you right. imagine? Yeah. Like a, the 90 year old with no wrinkles. Yeah. It just seems awkward and weird. Yeah. But those who are of, paid attention to the inward beauty and that flows out into their life and into others' lives. Those are the people that we want to be around, um, Mm -hmm. in the older years. And so I think that that's what Peter's pointing to is, is have that be your focus more than anything that is happening on the outside. I always want my, my life to be life giving and not life draining to other people, um, that I'm, I'm adding value wherever I go. Um, and that, I mean, obviously looks different, but that's when I think about those people like, man, they're just so full of joy and so full of love and they're, they're, they're just, yeah, the beauty yeah. exudes out of them. Well, I look at it right now in Instagram, the way that Instagram is being used right now 
and I look at it and like you have two segments of people, you have the younger influencers, Mm. um, particularly women, but also men who are using their bodies to gain a following. Mm -hmm. And then you have this, these older past influencers, right? These actors and actresses who were big in the, you know, when we were growing up in the Mm nineties that are now, you know, they're, they're not 32 years old anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're 62 years old. Mm -hmm. And the pictures that are being posted, you know, to try to still hold on to that, mm-hmm. into that space or yeah, all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, wow, you're, you're holding on to something, um, that you're never really going to be able to hold on. Yeah. To. You're, you're never going to be the 32 year old version of you again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. Hey guys, thank you so much for, uh, being willing to, to talk about this. It's a, it's a big topic and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that we covered everything in just this one session, but, um, it, it's a reality. Hopefully those of you who are listening are able to, uh, really think and pray and process through some of what's been said today, um, and how you can uh, apply that to your life. We have lots of things going on. If you haven't yet subscribed to our podcast or to our YouTube channel, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. Don't miss anything. There's a little bell you can click on. And it'll notify you every time we have something new and cool that's coming out. So, uh, thank subscribed. you guys. Subscribed. You're subscribed? I'm subscribed. Good job. Good job. You're, you're helping me out. I appreciate <laughs> that. So, no, it's good to be with you guys. Thank you so much for uh, all that you do. Thanks, Jared.